0: Welcome to the Denver United Church Sermon of the Week. Here's a message from Pastor Daniel Brown. Good morning. It is so good to be with you this morning. Thank you so much for prioritizing Jesus' word and worship this morning. That is so important in our lives, and I just want to say thank you. I know there's a lot of things right now pushing at our time, our attention, um, at our emotions, and so uh, I just think keeping God's worship and Word at the center of our lives keeps us grounded in a time of turmoil. Amen, yes. amen. So we're going to dive into the Word this morning and be studying the life of Jacob as part of our Strange Lands series. Uh, this is the third uh, week of a four-part series. Um, But I want to let you know, especially if you're joining us online, that following the teaching, immediately following the teaching, we're going to enter into uh, receiving communion together here, Um, and then we invite you in your house-to-house group or in your home to do that. And so go ahead and prepare those elements um, if you're watching online, um, so that when we're ready to do that, you'll be ready to join us in doing communion together. Let's pray over the Word and um, over this time together. God, you are so faithful. You are so faithful to meet us. And God, I just believe this morning that you want to meet us. You want to transform our understanding and perspective of you and our current circumstances. So God, meet us now. Holy Spirit, fill this room and fill the homes across this sea. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we've said this a couple times, but every week it is hard to preach to a room where you can't see people's faces, you know, where like I can see like your eyes and like some of you got really expressive eyes, but some of you, that's nice, George, it's freaky, uh, but some of you don't. And so if you are feeling what the Lord is saying through me this morning, could you give me a thumbs up? Uh, high f- air high five or or if you want to vocalize some muffled amen through your mass that would just be great because this is a communal thing right we are just we are teaching and studying the word together um, I'm as much of a student of the word up here as you are this morning so let's let's just do that together throw me a thumbs up that way I know hey we're hitting or hey no no I don't I don't get that you know we even thought about maybe making you guys signs You know, a sign says heretic or or that's amazing, brother, or whatever that is. So we'll get those to you next week, Uh, send you a PDF, you print it off yourself. Uh, It'd be a great DIY project for you. All right, so like we said, we're in our third week of the series Strange Land, And what we're talking about is that this idea that to be the people of God, to be blessed by God, to be set apart from God, makes us strangers in a strange land. See, from the beginning, God had this plan. See, humanity was morally bankrupt. It was distancing itself further and further from God. And so God said, you know what, I'm going to intervene on their behalf. I'm going to choose a people and they will be my people and I will be their God. And he said, and and I will teach them my ways and I will prosper them and I will establish them and I will be with them and I will love them as a father loves a son. And more, more than that, I will bless them and they will be a blessing to this world. And so from the beginning, God's desire and his redemptive plan was that he was going to take a people that would represent him, that would would be a blessing to this world, that would be different, that would be set apart and be strangers in this world. See, to live as God's people is to live out of place in the systems and the values, and the rhythms, and the patterns of this world. Poet George Herbert said this, he says, to live live as the people of God is to live with one hand in heaven and one hand on earth. And so we live in this place of kind of being displaced, right? We're, We're kind of unsteady. Being foreigners and strangers leaves us in this constant state of being unsettled, one hand in heaven, one hand on earth, to feel never quite at home or sure-footed. See, this leads us to grasp for stability, right? So we're in this place of being unstable, of not quite feeling at home. So it leads us at times we, when we want to grasp for a little bit of stability, a little bit of security, a little bit of comfort, a little bit of familiarity. I remember when I first moved to Colorado. I'm from Texas, and I know that you guys think that's a different country. Um, it kind of is. Um, and when we first moved here, it took probably five years for us to completely feel at home. You know, like it took time for us to learn the culture and to, to feel um, stable here. And there were some times, man, that I would just want to grasp for some bit of comfort. And for me, that was gorging on some really good Mexican food. Like, that just made me feel at home. That made me feel comfortable here. And while that's simple, it points out this idea of being strangers in a strange land, of living in this unstable, not-quite-at-home paradox that we live in, and that it is natural to us to want to grasp for security and comfort in that place. It's natural for us to want to grab some sense of familiarity. Furthermore, um, as the people of God, we have been set apart But yet we often are not all that different from the world around us. Just like the world, we like to grasp for security, right? So we're not always that different from the world. And sometimes we think and we look at the the fathers of the faith and we think, oh, man, there must have been something really special about them. There must have been, you know, some extreme virtue and, and morality that God saw them and he chose them, but they couldn't be further from the truth. If you've read the Old Testament, what is often kind of a stumbling block, what's often hard to get over is how broken and how undeveloped the early church fathers were, especially Jacob, who we're going to study today. Jacob is tough to swallow because there's so many times where he acts in a way that is so counter the heart of God, counter the nature of God, and you're kind of wrestling with this going like, how could he be the person of God? How is this the chosen one? Because he doesn't seem any different from the world around them. He seems like he has the same values, and the, you know, he seems just as manipulative and self-seeking and self-focused as the world. How is this the people of God? And so we see early on that it's not that they're so different that may, is the reason why they are strangers in strange land. It's because of God's scandalous and undeserving grace that he chose them to be his people. That's right. That is why they're different. Because they are chosen. Not because they're extravagantly amazing. <laughs> because they're chosen and then they chose to receive and believe God at his word. And then they entered into a transformational journey. See, to be set apart is to be on a journey, a pilgrimage. A pilgrimage of deepening trust and experience of the nature and character of God. That's what it means to be different, that, that we are on this journey of transforming from the inside out in our understanding of the trust, of, trust in God and who he is and how he works. See, God wants to take all of us on a similar transformational journey this journey from grasping to being grasped by God. From grasping to being grasped by God. The title of the sermon this morning is Grasping. See, what we see in the narrative of Genesis and Exodus, as you look at the Old Testament, and really it's through the whole Old Testament, from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob to Joseph to Moses to Elijah, is all these people, is they start following God. They're set apart differently. And then God leads them in to strange places, unfamiliar places, places where the outcome is unknown, And see, what he's doing here and what he does for us is that he leads us into uncomfortable places, unfamiliar places, because he's wanting for the purpose of wanting to develop our deeper understanding of what it means to trust him. And then he's wanting us to have a divine experience of who he is. And so we see this throughout the Old Testament that he's constantly saying, I called you for my purposes. I've chosen you. I'll be with you. Now I'm going to take you to a really weird place. Here, let's go to the middle of nowhere. Hey, let's go where there's no food. Let's go where the water's bitter. He's constantly doing this. And why is he doing this? Because to be set apart is to be on that transformational journey. That kind of not fully developed, uncomfortable place. This is God's purpose for those that have been set apart. See, hardship, uncertainty, unfamiliarity, Or times of disorientation will either work out of you your earthly attachments or it will tighten your grip on them. See, these times of uncertainty will either work out of you those earthly attachments or that attachment that earth has on you or it will tighten your grip on them. It's in our nature to grasp for security, to fight for a secure, to secure our place in this world. Yet to be different, to be set apart is to be called by God into a deeper trust and a deeper experience of his reality. And as we look at Jacob, we'll see um, that his life is defined by the struggle. It is defined by grasping his whole life. That is the theme of Jacob's life. So much so that even his name means hill grabber, supplanter. Um, he, he comes out of the womb literally grabbing at the heel of his brother, grasping at the heel of his brother's heel as he comes out of the womb. See, he's constantly striving to establish his place and receive his blessing and the promise that he's been promised. That is the theme that you will see throughout Jacob's life. And Jacob's story is not all that different from ours. As human beings, it's so natural for us to grasp for that security. Jacob and his family are a frightening picture of the ways we grasp, the ways we circumvent, the ways we try to earn the blessing, the security, And the love we so desperately want. So we're going to see that this morning as we read the text. And I hope that you'll see yourself in Jacob's story. That you won't just see, oh, this Jacob guy, he's just really jacked up. But you'll see in the story the ways in which you grasp for that blessing of the Father. The ways you grasp for that security in this life. So let's read the text. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 25. So if you want to go ahead and turn there in your Bible chapter 25. So we're going to cover about 50 years of Jacob's life. And what I encourage you to do, if you have your physical Bible or your Bible on your phone, that you would just open that up and just keep it open and just kind of follow along with me because we're going to cover a lot of text in a short amount of time. And I think that as you do that, uh, it'll be easier for you to track along with me. Sound good? So Genesis chapter 25, starting in verse... 21 it says isaac prayed to the lord on behalf of his wife because she was childless the lord answered his prayer his wife rebecca became pregnant the babies jostled each other within her womb and she said why is this happening and all the pregnant ladies in the, in the room said i've been there right we got a couple of those today so she went to inquire the lord the lord said to her two nations are in your womb and two people from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other and the older will serve the younger. When the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. The first to come out was red and his whole body was like a hairy garment. Well, so he was a looker, right? Here comes out this little baby red Chewbacca. You know, you know, we got baby Yoda. I think it's time for a baby Chewbacca. I think he'll be just as cute. He comes out, he's red, he's hairy, he's a real looker. I, okay, first of all, could you imagine being the midwife in this room? All right, so first baby Chewbacca comes out and then we read, then his brother's grasping his heel. This is a weird situation, right? So, so baby Chewbacca's born, um, his whole body's covered in a hairy garment so that they named him Esau. After this, his brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel. So he was named Jacob. Jacob, uh, Isaac was six years old when Rebekah gave birth to them. The boys grew up and Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the open country, while Jacob was content to stay at home amongst the tent. Isaac, who had a taste for wild game, loved Esau, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Once when Jacob was cooking some stew, Isaac, uh, Esau came in from the open country famished. He said to Jacob, Quick! Let me have some of that soup, some of that red stew you got there. Jacob replied, first, sell me your blessing, your birthright. Look, I am about to die, Esau said. What good is my birthright to me? But Jacob said, swear to me first. So he swore an oath to him, selling the birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew. He ate and drank and then got up and left. So Esau despised his birthright. So what we see here immediately in the text is that we're introduced into a super messy, a super broken family right out the gate, right? You see this brokenness and you see this mess and you're like, man, how can God use this? We get this sense that God, though, however, is up to something from before Jacob even comes out of the womb. um, God does something unexpected. He does something different. He defies the cultural norms of his time and chooses the second born. See, God often does that. He's, he's different from the world. He often goes against the cultural norms of our time. Second, he goes against what the natural intuition of humans are, which is to choose the better looking. Well, maybe not in this situation. To choose the stronger, to choose the more capable, to choose the older brother. But he goes against human perception, and he does something different. See, immediately out the gate, we see that we're different because God is altogether different. Right out of the gate we see that God's ways and his reality are very different from ours. So Jacob's born, uh, much like all of us, into a very broken family. He lacks his father's love and his father's affection. And attention. And for all the families in the room, for all of us dads and moms that feel like we've screwed up our kids royally, this gives us hope that God can bless the world no matter how many times we've screwed up. We said stupid things, right? We said things that are not the heart of God in our anger, in our frustration. Am I the only one in the room that's done that? God can still use your family to be a blessing in this world. Amen? Amen. But yes, so Jacob's born in a family full of favoritism and a lack of love. And the narrator of the story, many commentaries talk about this. It's really interesting because the person telling the story helps you feel this favoritism in the family. He even makes Esau more likable. Like you kind of root, even though he's kind of a big, hairy kind of dummy, you kind of root for him. You're kind of like, come on, Esau. Like, don't do that. Come on, man. You know better than that. But you kind of root for Esau. He's more attractive and you kind of have this initial kind of disdain for Jacob, right? So you've got Esau and it's talking about how he's strong and he's capable and he is a man of the open country. (laughs) Tim Allen type man a home improvement type man, right? I mean, I want to be like Esau. He's capable. He's confident. And then he's got this connection with his father. You know, they have something in common. You know, he likes to hunt. He's good at hunting. And and then Isaac loves wild game. So he's got this connection with his father and then more so he has the love of his father, the patriarch of the family, the one that's chosen by God to carry down the Abrahamic blessing. He's got got Isaac's love. Oh, but Jacob, he likes to kind of hang out around the house, dwell amongst the tents. Some translation says that he's a soft-spoken individual that just dwelt amongst the tents and he's got the love of rebecca it even goes on later you see this picture of jacob as opportunistic as deceptive as you know he take he's willing to take advantage of his brother for his own personal gain and so right out the gate you're kind of like what the heck jacob and, and you sense this, this narrative of favoritism, this narrative of wanting to be loved, wanting to be accepted. And I believe that Jacob's grasping, much like all of ours, is born out of a deep feeling of inadequacy, of insecurity, and desire to be loved and to be seen. Jacob just wanted to be loved. He wanted to be seen. Because of that, he felt inadequate. And because of this, I also believe that he was sure he would be passed over if he didn't do something about it. He was sure he would be passed over even by God because he had the promise. But he was sure he would be passed over if he didn't do something about it. How many of us, to varying degrees, believe the same thing? And because of this, it makes it incredibly hard for you and I to trust that God is who he says he is. And that he will do for you what he says he will do for you. Because of that inadequ- feeling of inadequacy, because of that feeling of insecurity, because of that feeling that, hey, I'm just going to be passed over if I don't take this into my own hands, if I don't grasp, if I don't seek, if I don't control this. And so it bursts in us a grasping because we believe that we will be passed over by God and by others. I believe this was what was driving Jacob's grasping. And he does what so many of us do. When feeling inadequate, he takes matters into his own hands. He uses his wit and his cleverness to get what he so desperately wanted. Have you ever done that? Have you seen this pattern in your life? That out of insecurity, you take control. Maybe you don't do it the same way Jacob did. But you have your ways of doing it. See, this pattern of inadequacy and drive to feel important, to be seen and to be loved, doesn't end here. It continues in Jacob's life and becomes more and more destructive. See, that's the thing. The more we grasp, the more things slip away. And so often in our grasping, we cause greater frustration and hurt along the way. Eventually driving him to new levels of deceit and new levels of grasping. And so we see as the story continues, Jacob goes after his brother's blessing, the father's blessing that he's going to give to Esau. Jacob goes after it to steal the blessing from Esau. And so we're not going to read this text. I'm going to paraphrase it for you, and for a couple of reasons. One, um, due to time, but secondly, because in April, um, Pastor George did a phenomenal job of really diving into this particular passage. And so if you have time this week, I would encourage you to go back um, and find that message in our message archive um, in April and rewatch it. It's worth your time to really understand this passage. But basically, we see that um, Isaac, and I'm going to sometimes mess up the names because it, there's like six names that you're jumping. So I'm going to be like Isaac, Jacob, Esau, Rebecca, George, Fred. Um, so, so we see that there's this picture that Rebecca is in the tent. She overhears um, Isaac talking to Esau says, hey, Esau, I'm getting older. I want to give you my blessing. So go out into the fields, catch some wild game, fix me a meal. I'm going to eat that meal and then I'm going to give you the blessing. I'm going to give you the blessing. And so Rebecca overhears this and says, No, nah, that ain't going to happen. Calls Jacob in, says, Hey, Jacob um esau or isaac's going to give esau the blessing this is what we're going to do they come up with a plan um and they they literally take goat's hair they like cover his body in goat's hair i don't know how you get enough goat's hair to stick to your body that is a strange situation or that you have a brother that's so hairy that goat's hair on your arm is convincing What a weird family, right? So so we still have Chewbacca, but he's dressing up like like Esau. He's wrapping himself in goat's hair. He's cooking a meal um, with Rebecca. And and so he goes in and, and and Isaac says, Who is it? And he says, It is your firstborn, Esau. And he goes on to deceive his father. He dresses up like his brother, he smells like his brother. To get the blessing he so desperately wants. And Isaac takes him through a series of questions and says, Hey, well, you, you, you feel like Esau, you smell like Esau, but you kind of sound like Jacob. So Jacob is your son, firstborn. <clears throat> and there's this moment where. Isaac says, come in, he's going to give him a kiss. And he kisses him, and then he blesses him. But he's not blessing Jacob. He's blessing Esau. And it's this tragic moment where Jacob finally has the blessing, but he still doesn't have the love and the affection of his father. And it's heartbreaking to read See, Jacob is a frightening picture of the way we grasp for love and significance and affirmation. See, we, like Jacob, are grasping for blessing. Often dress up and pretend to be someone or something we believe is more lovable and acceptable than who we are. We dress up, we pretend. We become something that maybe we are not, or not fully. We can't be genuine. We can't be authentic. We can't let people see our flaws. We can't do this career path because that, that won't get enough recognition. That won't provide enough security, even though maybe that's what God's called us to do. So we pretend. We live with a lie that we cannot be our unmasked selves and be blessed. We can't be our genuine selves and be truly loved and accepted. That's what Jacob thought. I have to be my brother. I have to be my brother to get the blessing of my father. What ways do you believe this morning you need to project yourself to be loved? What ways this morning do you believe you need to project yourself to be loved? Because we all do it. For so long in my life, I thought that I always had to be mature. I always had to be put together. I always had to be the stable one. As the middle child of the family, that was my role. And in, in a lot of ways, that was my personality. But it never allowed me to be, maybe at times immature undeveloped reactive i couldn't i couldn't let people see that side of me that sometimes reacted out of hurt or emotion i had to keep it buttoned up put together see i believe that that side of me wasn't lovable That side of me was not acceptable. And so when I did react, when I did act out of emotion and immaturity, I just had so much shame. Do you guys have something like that? Have you ever experienced that? And so I was grasping for affection by putting forth this false self, this manicured version of myself. What ways do you believe you need to project yourself to be loved? See, you will make little progress in the journey of faith in experiencing God's life and relinquishing and trusting him and stop grasping until you have looked at your own story, looked at your own brokenness, and, and, and really come to familiar yourself with the ways in which you grasp. God wants to transform that. But it requires a self-awareness. It requires a going into the hurt and the brokenness of your story. It it requires going into the parts of you that are a little bit ugly and saying, God, if I'm gonna trust you, I've gotta see what my hand's holding on to. Because you can't let go until, until you know what you're holding on to. So what do we do? How do we grow from grasping to trusting? From grasping to being grasped by God. So we pick up the story in Genesis 28. Genesis 28 verse 10. If you want to turn there in your, your Bible. Genesis 28 verse says, Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. I want to stop there for a moment. What we see up until this point is Jacob goes after his brother's blessing. Esau says, you know what? I'm going to kill you, Jacob. And so this grasping, this deception has led to, like we said, a wake of destruction to the point where where Rebecca and and Esau, uh, Rebecca and Isaac send Jacob off to find a wife. And this is the tragedy of the story. The one person that loved Jacob, his mama, he would never see again. By the time he would return, she would be gone. His brother hates him. His dad at best disdains him. And this is the point of desperation. It doesn't even have a place where he, where he laid his head. It says he's in the middle of nowhere and the dude is laying on a rock, <laughs> I've done a lot of camping trips. And, and 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 the rock has never been the best option for a pillow. You are in a really bad spot if a rock is your best option for a pillow. Grasping only leads to greater destruction in our lives. So he had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth, and with its top reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it, and there above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and I will give you, your descendants, the land on which you are lying." Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out to the west and to the east and to the north and the south. And all the people on the earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. Wow. I am with you and I will watch over you wherever you go. I will bring you back to the land. I will not leave you until I've done what I have promised you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God, the gate of heaven. Jacob responds by saying, you know what? I always thought you were far off, God. I always thought you were just looking past me. I thought you weren't there to help me along the way. So I've been grasping. I've been trying to make this happen on my own. I've been trying to secure my place in this world and I didn't even realize, God, that you were right there. Wow. What if God is available to you and me? Flowing all of the time, welling up within us, quenching our unsatisfied desires and overflowing to refresh this world. What if? See, most of us, including myself, grasp for earthly comfort and security. What we need is to be wholly convinced and grasped by the truth of God, by the reality of God, the reality that God is not far off. I know you feel like he is. I know that most of us, most of the time, feel like God is far off. But in fact, he has come to you. He has come to us. And no matter how you feel, no matter what, how you think you can quantify that God is not near, he is near. Second, heaven is at work and is a closer reality than any of us could imagine. The more that we come to realize how close heaven and earth are and that God is, see, this is a stairway, not going up to God. It's coming down from heaven. And we see that these angels, these proclaimers, these people that bring about the work and herald the work of God are coming into the world. They're coming into Jacob's life. They're working on his behalf. This is your reality. Third, And though your circumstances may not always feel like it, God is for you. You may go, whoa, if he's for me, why did this happen? Why did that happen? Why am I in this situation? Why did I lose my job? Why this? Why that? But let me tell you this morning, we may not understand why we are in the circumstances we are, but God has you on a transformational journey of trust. If you can believe this morning, he is for you. And then last, despite your inadequacy. Isn't it interesting? Jacob doesn't repent. He doesn't cry out to God. He doesn't even pray. But God shows up and says, I will make you a blessing. Despite your inadequacy, he can make you and I a blessing. See, we will not stop grasping for this world until we have been radically, have a radical inversion of our reality you can try to be different all you want but it's when you encounter the reality of god when you see and feel the closeness of his divine work when you hear his assurance that he is for you that is when you cannot help but live differently and be a stranger in this world I just want to encourage you this morning don't settle for just knowledge of god go after the transformational experience of his presence Amen. grasp for that if you're going to grasp for anything grasp for that in your life in uncertain times in in, in moments where you feel insecure grasp for that we're going to close this morning in this teaching by taking communion with a passage from Galatians chapter three. So if you've got your communion elements here in the room, go ahead and grab those, pull those out. George, thank you so much. If you're joining us online, go ahead and prepare those. You can go ahead and remove the first layer to expose the bread. Galatians chapter three. Christ redeemed us. From the curse of the law. By c- becoming the curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come. To who? To the Gentiles. To us. The blessing given to Abraham. The blessing that, that, that we read just now in Jacob. You say, oh, that's great, but that was Jacob. I'm not Jacob. Yes, you are. Because of the curse that this element right here represents, because of the curse that fell on Christ's body when he died on the cross, we have the Abrahamic blessing. So that by faith we might receive the promises of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that amazing? We have the Abrahamic blessing. You have the love of the firstborn. You have the Abrahamic blessing that God is for you. God is with you. God will make you a blessing. Whether you feel like it or not. Can quantify it or see it. God is at work in your life. And that's why Christ said, my body is broken on your behalf. My body took on the curse of sin and death so that the doorway of heaven might be opened to you. And as we take this bread that was broken, let us remember that cursed body that God took on our cursed coats so that we might receive the blessing of the Father. Let's take and eat the body of Christ. In the same way, the sin that separates us from God, the grasping, the brokenness, Christ's blood came to heal, to set us free and to wash over. Let us take and drink the blood of Christ. God, we thank you for the Abrahamic blessing. God, I admit, I stand in awe of the fact that you are right here, that your heaven's work is is so near us. And God, I just pray that this week that we would be able to grasp a little bit more of the reality of you, God, of these truths, that it would transform us, that it would make us different. In your name we pray, amen. We hope you've been encouraged this week. For more information or to submit a prayer request, go to denverunited.com.